okay so bar such and such um, if you go to that take the second time bar out put that in do that da-da, go, go to the coder da-da-da-da-da-da. and like all the blowers are just like like robots just like it's there it's done and I'm just like I've not even got my I can't find my pencil you know Welcome back to Meeting Musos, the podcast where I chat to professional musicians all about their lives and their careers in music. My name is Mark McDonald. I'm a musical director and a pianist. And my guest this week is Craig Oxley. Craig has spent the last 20 years or so working in musical theatre as a guitarist in the pits of the West End and on tour around the UK. In more recent years, he's built up a big online presence with an Instagram account that now has over 10,000 followers. We chat about all things to do with his career in music, looking at how he built his online presence and how important that is. We look at his musical education, but we started our conversation off over a cup of coffee. Enjoy. I've just been dashing around trying to Trying to make, I got obsessed with cycling and then via that obsessed with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just put my coffee machine on and it's been working absolutely fantastically. But then the, it's one of these lever machines where you pull like by hand like a pint. Yeah. Which I really enjoy the sort of faff. Sometimes you get the best coffee ever. And sometimes you get the worst thing you've ever tasted. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> I'm into my... Um... Chemex, I do the Chemex filter stuff, oh, yeah. so same sort of thing really. It's all about getting the grind size just right and the yes. know, weights and measures, all that stuff, yeah. I, I remember I remember being uh, the first time I saw one of those in, in London and going and asking for, uh, can I have one of those Chemex? <laughs> <laughs> it's like asking for a pint of bass, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was uh, quickly corrected, it's uh, Chemex, yeah. I thought it might be a little bit more uh, sophisticated than Chemex. But, yeah. so, so the end of the story is um, the pressure was built up wrong. I put too much coffee in, even though I'd weighed it out, different beans, and uh, nothing was coming through. So I took out the, you know, the whatever that's called thing, and it just exploded all over the place. <laughs> so it serves me right, really. But, nice. Uh, yeah, it's purely functional. I got about that much coffee, about an eye baths full of coffee at where it should have been a proper shot. But yeah, nice. Uh, so yeah, thanks for the uh, invitation. Oh, thanks for doing it. It's great. How have you been? Uh, how have you been coping in uh, in the in, in in COVID world? It's been all right. Um, I've been quite lucky in many ways. Picked up quite a bit of teaching, so that's been oh, right. good. Although not without its challenges because it's been mostly on Zoom. Um, yes. And I'm, I don't mind teaching, but I don't, I don't like it being my full time thing, which it sort of has become. So, but yeah, yeah it's obviously very grateful for the work, but it's been, it's not been plain sailing. <laughs> no, it's been a challenge. I mean, I suppose uh, a couple of years ago, maybe more than that, I, I sort of decided that at any time, you know, I've been really lucky just to keep keep working from when I sort of started there's been little breaks but I just started thinking what if this all ends you know I'm going to have to have something else to to sort of cover you know if you've got mortgages to pay and things like that if if you suddenly don't get a show and you're out of work for a few months I suddenly just thought you know maybe I should try and do something else so the teaching was something I tried to keep keep going but 
<clears throat> suddenly everybody you know everybody becomes a, a zoom and skype teacher so yeah yeah <laughs> competition is uh is, is is a good thing in a way because it means people are getting you know choice yeah and uh you know people up their game with their resources and their how you know how they think of it but it's it's difficult teaching by zoom yeah it's really it's really challenging isn't it i think yeah. um that's the best thing to come out of this whole situation for me though is just you know a lot of people have said it's stopping and having the time to reflect on what you're actually doing and where you're going and for me realizing that yes i am a show musician i'm an md and all the rest of it but mm. i want i need to be more than that i need to be an all-round piano player muso like i, I can't i yeah. don't want to re- be relying on having the the security of a of a show i want to be able to freelance a little bit more and i'm really enjoying that work-life balance that this is hmm. given to be honest yeah it's tricky i suppose some people I, I mean i'm when i started playing music which was quite late on i didn't really i was playing football until i was probably 17 18 and then that sort of ended and then i was playing and then i got into guitar just randomly you know none of my family play uh, music or even listen to music but I think somebody when I was getting into sixth form you know was into guitar and thought oh, that seems like something to do <laughs> <laughs> so I just tried to, you know and I, I don't but then I was doing like a levels but I wasn't really great so I just didn't know what I wanted to do because I thought it was going to be football and then yeah, my A-levels, I sort of failed all of them, but got interested in trying to do music. So I did music GCSE, which I, I failed at that. Um, but I sat in on all those classes and the A-level classes and just practised for the two years at sixth form and then sort of enrolled myself via my guitar teacher into Leeds College and um, didn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything. I can remember playing um, an audition piece. I'd worked out um, this Joe Pass um, guitar chord solo and I just learnt it off the tape back uh, that it was that long ago it was off a tape um, and Adrian Ingram the guy who, who I used to read his articles in guitar magazine he just said that's really great and he said and he asked me about a specific bit and I just said I, I honestly don't know what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> I've just copied it and then he gave me some music to read and uh, you know I didn't know a, I didn't know a crotchet from a hatchet so uh, you know so they put me on a year's uh, sort of foundation course really at Leeds College, Which, yeah, yeah, and that was uh, that was baptism by fire, really, because we had to get our grade eight theory and practical in that year. So, wow. yeah, it was mad. It was it was such a mad time. But to be honest with you, I was I wanted to play jazz. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I suppose that year really sort of brought me down to earth just to show me what I, you know, the stuff I didn't know. But the classes were super small, which was great. There was probably about four or five of us in a class and we had a great teacher teaching us all the Bach chorales and the the sort of harmony stuff and all the classical <clears throat> theory. So I was, I was kind of lucky in a way. It was like being hothoused yeah. <laughs> with one teacher for, for a year. Um, but I was disappointed I didn't get into the jazz course because that's... It felt like I was being punished, you know, for not knowing what chord names were, even though I sort of could play them and yeah. hear them, I suppose, but I didn't know what they were called. <laughs> yeah. What was it that attracted you to, to jazz at that age? You know, at 17, 18, having not played anything before, mm. why was it jazz? That's a really good question. I think um, 
So, so I'm from I'm from Grimsby originally. There's a couple of players around that area. There's always seems to be like in every town. There's always somebody who's into jazz, or they're a great table tennis coach, or they're a fantastic, you know, whatever yeah. flautist. And you know, they create a little bit of a scene. So I used to go and watch. Um, I used to go and watch jazz just at my local jazz club. And plus there was a really great jazz festival right next to my parents' house um, where they had everybody. I mean, I've seen Elvin Jones, I've seen Michael Brecker, you know, I've seen some fantastic players play there. And I suppose I just, I don't know. I, I got into it that way. My guitar teacher was really into jazz, so I took lessons and he, you know, um, he he pointed me in that direction. And then the Grimsby jazz the library there was amazing and my mum used to come back and just bring like stacks of records and I remember seeing a Pat Metheny album and just thought, oh, he looks quite rock and roll, he's got he's got long hair and he looks like a rocker but he's playing this crazy music that I've never really understood or, you know, but it sounded pretty cool to me. Looking back, some of it sounds like elevator music but at the time, mm-hmm. you know, I was when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is great, you know. So... I, I, do you know what? I think it was just I wanted a direction. I wanted to get out of the town where I was in. I wanted to go to university. And it was just something that was there. It was like a perfect storm. A teacher who was into jazz, um, the festival, um, a couple of other players in the um, at the sixth form college I was at was into it. Um, and I just threw myself, threw myself at it, really. Yeah. With not really having a great love for it, it's become a love now. Um but it just seemed a way out, really, just a way out of the town, um, and just yeah. But I found it I found it quite difficult to get into because, like now, I suppose I still make that excuse of oh well, I got into it really late, you know. But I've, there's some I've taught some people who are a similar age to when I started, and they're absolute you know fantastic players. I don't think it really matters how late you start. I suppose it's just what you listen to and how you practice, really. Yeah. Did you have you been playing piano um, most of your life, or? Yeah, so I I started piano lessons when I was five years old. Um, oh wow! <laughs> because my primary school teacher told my parents that I had a really good sense of rhythm, and that they should either mm. send me for music lessons or dance lessons. And I'm right. Pretty happy that they chose music lessons because <laughs> I don't fancy a career doing all those additions and uh, no, <laughs> you know the life no, of a performer in in that part of the industry. Um, that's tough. So yeah, but yeah, did the whole you know classical piano route really? Did all the associated board stuff and yeah. Um, but I I also knew I didn't want to go down that classical career path. I didn't want to be a concert pianist. I didn't want to play yeah. all the repertoire. I wanted to. I didn't really enjoy that side of it. I, I liked learning and I liked playing and I liked, sounds a bit sad, but I, I quite liked the the solitude of it, of sitting at, at the mm. instrument and, and, you know, get being able to work on something and improve. I really enjoyed all of that. Um, but I was probably similar to you in some ways that I was quite late in coming to understanding what being a musician is as a, you know, playing mm. as part of a band and, and all of that stuff. That was something that I hadn't done as a pianist um, mm. until I was an adult, really. I didn't really, I hadn't mm. played, I'd never done any any jazz stuff or any, even any pop stuff. It was always accompanying singers or accompanying choirs and um, or playing solo stuff. So mm. that was something that I discovered quite late in my career. 
quite late yeah. in my education rather than my career. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Um, it's a really important thing to. I suppose I'm old enough to be able to have, you know, played sort of working men's clubs, and that was how. You know, I suppose I learned you know, how to read. You know, how to read music and the thing where you would have to sit in the in the back room of some grotty working man's club with a, a pad that was, you know, these Dave Tanner arrangements that you could hardly see because they've been photocopied a thousand times. <laughs> and you and you suddenly, the MD's going, are you okay with that? Uh, you know, I remember the first the first time I ever did one of those gigs, the uh, musical director, you know, took us into the back room. And I was a kid. I'd just got out of college. And I'd been practising how to play, like, you know, bebop and stuff like that. And my, my, my first gig was, you know, Play, you know, playing sort of Tina Turner covers, you know, backing a cabaret artist. And, but I remember with one of the tunes, of one of the first things, um, we were given this arrangement and there was a guitar solo written out. And it was all in six and thirds. It was the, um, it was a band called, I think it was Fairground Attraction, a tune called It's Got To Be Perfect. Yeah. And it's got like this rock and roll guitar solo in it, which is, you know, it's, I don't think you could get away with playing jazz over it <laughs> and uh, my guitar teacher just said if anybody asks if everything you know is that going to be okay just say yes and then have a look at it before the show make sure you can get it together but yeah I was no way ready for that at the time my reading wasn't good enough um yeah my reading was nowhere near up to it and I just so I just improvised something in in whatever key it was in and <laughs> the MD sort of looked at me and just said kind of shouted over the stage what the fuck are you doing because <laughs> I was trying to play this this ridiculous, terrible jazz solo over over the tune, and yeah, that was a, a real experience. Um, having to do that, I didn't have the right gear. I was playing a three three five and a solid state amp. I didn't have any pedals. I didn't know about sounds. Um, I didn't know about even if I couldn't read what was there. At least, I mean, these days, what I would do, if if it looked a bit tricksy, I'd just get on my phone, go onto Spotify and have a listen, listen to, to it. it yeah. Because it's so much easier once you can hear it. That, that, that solo, is, it looks pretty tricky, but if you hear it, it's like, oh, it's just that. Yeah. I could have got something closer <laughs> <laughs> than trying to play some bebop over it. it. Yeah, so that was a that was a those experiences that really sort of ground you, make you go right. I'm going to get my shit together. You know. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that actually because I think it's a a common thing with people who who have an education in jazz and then maybe do a mm-hmm. three year degree in it or whatever. Obviously, yeah. the, the reality of then coming out into the music industry and, and starting to work is unlikely to be jazz work all the, all the time. It might make up part of your, your income, but you're going to, you, you have to be flexible and, and adaptable. So how, yeah. what was, what was that like, you know, finding your feet in the the world of playing as a professional? Uh, yeah. So uh, when I finished Leeds, I was doing lots of gigs around, around, um, around the cities, which was basically duos. I learned how to accompany so I could do company singers, I could do the walking baseline stuff to a certain degree. Um, so that was a craft I learned then. But any function gigs I came really late to. I remember I remember getting some function work and asking the the, the fixer, you know, can I have the pad? Because I thought it was going to be a reason. Oh, there's no pad. These are the tunes. Just learn them. So I remember getting a little book and 
going through all of those tunes, all of those um, classic function band tunes and just doing like little cheat sheets for them. Also, if there was a guitar riff, just kind of reminding myself what it was. And just playing them and playing them and playing them so I didn't get caught out. It was all about, you know, saving my ego and not being embarrassed again you know if you have one bad experience for me was enough to go right if i ever get this chance again i want to be more prepared Mm. so yeah and then the more of those that you do you kind of get to know the riffs for all those tunes and um but uh, the sounds is really important as well even if i remember being really prepared for lots of gigs but when i didn't really understand how to get a decent guitar sound or how to make it work and how to not overcomplicate things. Some of the best times I've had on gigs is where I've just taken a you know an amp and an overdrive pedal, and that's it, and it just works. And then everything came in where we were using, you know, uh, digital effects and units. So instead of amps, we were using like fractal of things and um, and Kempers, which are a lot better. But I remember the, the some of the Line Six stuff. I could just never get a decent sound out of them, and always went back to an amp. And mm. everybody's like, "Oh, that sounds," you know, that's. I was getting much more positive feedback when I used an amp and a pedal than trying to overcomplicate things with loads of delays and choruses and it just gets all lost. So yeah. that was a big thing, trying to just learn how to how to make the guitar sound good and then players like um, somebody who I really, really looked up to. Um, there's a guitarist called Lewis Osborne who is from Bristol. Um, I decked for him on lots of shows and took over from him on a couple of things and so I got to sit in and watch him at work and his his time and his sounds and how he played guitar solos to me was just absolutely perfect I remember doing uh, taking over from him on a show called Never Forget which was a take that um, show it was really enjoyable it was a really great band but there was one solo um that all of his depths did their own thing on and the MD or the producers were like, can they not do their own thing on that? Because it was almost like the solo that Lewis had written for that, well, that he'd played for that was a written thing. Yeah. So, you know, it was just looking at things like that and going, I'm, I can't play anything better than that. I'm just going to do exactly what he's doing. And everybody was happy. I mean, it wasn't played and phrased as well for, for the first few weeks and probably still wasn't at the end because you, you can't play exactly like somebody else. Um, but a great bit of advice, actually. Andy Taylor, another guitarist um, who you know taught me a lot of stuff, said um, for depping, he said, make sure that you play all of the guitarist solos, any of the fills that you can hear that stand out, do it exactly the same, just for your first few shows because as soon as you some as soon as you do anything different people's ears prick up and then they're aware that you're there what you want to do for the first few shows is just keep it the same and then you know the trumpet player who suddenly you know just to forget you're there and I, you know what it's like um when you get a depth come in and they're just pretty much the same as the person who's been you know, there. It's never as comfortable, but it's always if it's there, you can tell. Oh, they're just trying to do that. You kind of forget about them. Yeah, they're just in the band then, and don't draw any attention to yourself. But that's not. And that's not to say that sometimes you'll get some players come in who are just phenomenal, who will just go, "Yeah, well, 
I'm just going to play it my way. And then everybody's going, whoa, <laughs> did you hear what you did then? I did what she did then. You know, it's like, that's amazing. But I never had the guts to do that. That thing of, you know what, you know, I want to make my mark on this. I mean, nobody's coming to the show to listen to my guitar solos. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's about serving the the show in the, at the end of the day, isn't it? It's about doing, yeah. the, doing the right thing. And it's not leave your ego at the door. It's not about that. It's yeah. coming in and, yeah. and doing what's, what's required. Being stylistically appropriate, yeah. you know, you hear some, I mean, there's some fantastic debt recordings I've got where there's like outro guitar solos where it's like, wow, that's, uh, there's a bit of jazz in your guitar trying to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just having fun. But that's, you know, also it is about having having fun and some, some players, you know, just push it and get, try and get away with you know, whatever. And, and some MDs love it. I don't know. Some MDs really love people going for it and, you know, having some fun, which, yeah, which, you know, which is what it's about. But yeah, it seems such a, it seems like the old world that we're talking about now, you know, music and theatre and, yeah. <laughs> you know, depths and things. It just, it seems, it's, what has it been? It's been over a year. Yeah. It's, yeah. A year, well, 13 months now, isn't it? Since, since yeah. the show's closed. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the, I suppose I was, you know, lucky the last show that I did was probably one of my favourites. And, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough time for me, but that show and uh, the band really sort of was was amazing. Was, was that the great... Boy in the Dress at the RSC? That, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a tough gig as well. Um, it was being written and rewritten and... Um, Beautiful, um, great pop tunes and fantastic sort of orchestration um, and arranging. And Alan Williams put a lot of effort and work into that. And it was, I mean, I've known Alan for maybe 16 years. Um, and it, it, it's still, it's still great to, to watch, to watch him mm. at work. I mean, he, he still terrifies me, but, um, <laughs> But he's because he can hear it, you know. He can hear grass grow. His his ears are just uh, ridiculous, you know. So I, I can't really get away with anything, you know. Just leaning slightly too hard on my, uh, you know, um, tailpiece of my guitar, slightly putting my strings out of tune. He's like, are you are you pressing a bit too hard on you? How can you even? I can't even hear that. <laughs> How can you hear that? Um, so yeah, but it, it was. Um, it was a really good experience. It was um, it was a it was a hard read. It was a, it was difficult um, for me. I mean, my reading's okay, but it's not. You know, I'm certainly nowhere near. Um, you know, a lot of players' levels. You know, but I, I suppose it's just trying to do things while everybody else is um, having coffee breaks or. And, and you know, I was so grateful. Every time there was a little problem in the in the woodwind, or there was a note that was clashing, they were trying to work out what it was. I was like, "Thank goodness for that." <laughs> Turned to that tune, and I got you know, I got my pencil stuck in the pad. Like, I've got to play this solo in a A flat minor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh, what do I do here? I'm going I'm to fall on my ass. And yeah, sometimes you do fall on your ass, but you you know, you've got Guy Chambers sat next to you you know, asking to borrow your guitar and saying, oh, can you try this and can you try that? And it's, yeah, I mean, he was songwriting-wise, one you know, absolute hero. So it's it's amazing to 
to you know to chat with him and um, ask him a few questions. He's a he's a mad guitar nut as well. I mean, he's he was showing me loads of like his Jimmy Page things that he was into and. Yeah, so it was it was great and it was good. It's lovely uh, and it, Stratford and the the company are, are fantastic. Um, it's just such a shame that I mean the show was really well received, and I think it was going to go you know head into the West End, but yeah, then COVID hit. Yeah, any so plans for it to when things start reopening that you know of, or are you just waiting to yeah, see? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. It will move into into town. Um, Lord knows the West End needs a show that's got a, a fun sort of, uh, you know, positive um, sort of message. Yeah. And I think it's quite uplifting. The, the tunes are really great. Um, the cast album's released. Um, so I, I suppose it's just a matter of time. I suppose they're calculating whether or not you know to leave it a bit longer so they don't lose any money, but. Yeah, who knows? Mm. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure it will. Um, whether or not I'll be asked to do it is, you know, you, you just never know these things. It was just fun to do the initial, um, you know, the initial thing and, and get away with it, <laughs> <laughs> and still be there on the last day. Yeah. That's what the fear is that you, <laughs> the fear is you're going to get found out one day. That's you know keeps me practicing. But it's so funny, yeah. isn't it? Because every musician seems to think that's that whole imposter syndrome thing. Everyone's like, oh, I'm yeah. just, I'm still getting away with it. Everyone. Still getting, a, yeah. And that's that's what keeps. When I realised, when I started to come to the realisation that most of the time I'm the only one who's thinking about me. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you go, you're sitting in a band call and you, and you think everybody's there thinking, oh, what's Craig going to do now? Oh, he didn't sound very good on that. Oh, he was slightly, he came in spare on that. Oh, his guitar was the wrong sound on that. Or he picked up the nylon rather than the banjo. And, and most people are not thinking like that at all. They're just thinking, Christ, I've got an awkward pace turn there. I need to do that. Yeah. I, do you know, that was something that really impressed me about um, Blower's... Um, which I'm, I, I'm just not good at, and I've I've done this a lot. But when there were cuts to be made in the music, um, it would be read out at such a whack. So you had a panel of people, and you and you'd have um, I think it was Tom Deering who orchestrated some of it. And he'd be like, okay, so bar such and such. Um, if you go to that, so take the second time bar out, put that in, do that, da-da, go, go to the coder, da 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 da. And like all the blowers are just like, like robots, just like it's there, it's done. And I'm just like, I've not even got my, I can't find my pencil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm having to go, oh, can you just read that out again, please? Like half the speed. <laughs> and that was an absolute baptism. It was, I, I couldn't understand how quick. It was definitely the blowers um, who, how they, how quick they got that stuff together mm-hmm. and how slow I was, you know. How did they find bar 73 so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like just kind of counting through the bars going, right, okay, 68, 69, oh, there it is. And by the time that's gone, we're on the next tune. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's a skill if you practice it a lot. I think those guys have, have done a lot more. I think I've 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 definitely done a lot more shows that have already been out. So if if there's something been in the West End, I've I've gone and done it on tour. You know, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this the first time mm. you've done something as it's been developed and workshopped and and brought to life for the first time, or have you done anything like that before? And what mm. are the other than those sort of challenges? What are the biggest differences? Do you think as a musician in that situation? That as, f- 
I've done a couple of workshops of things that have just never come to anything. This is definitely felt like something that I was involved with um, and and try you know trying to sort of develop it. Not to you know not that I was writing guitar parts at all, um, but there were bits that I kind of suggested. Oh well, maybe we could do it like this or do it like that. And not lots of stuff, but sounds maybe or yeah things like that. <sighs> How was it? It was bloody stressful. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable, but really stressful. Um, and coping with those things are part of being a musician, I think. Of hold, you know, trying to hold it together when you're under a lot of pressure. The cast recording for that was done. Um, it was done on a morning where. I'd had what I think possibly looking back was was COVID. I mean, I I they the RSC sent me to the doctors on a Saturday. They they got the doctor to open on the Saturday at like six thirty, and and she just said, "Well, I'll just have to give you some antibiotics." I you know I had all the signs of COVID. Looking back, it's the worst thing I'd ever experienced. But the previous day to the cast recording, I'd not slept at all. I'd not had any sleep whatsoever. I know when people say I've not slept and they've dozed a bit, I was awake all night just coughing. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to do a recording, so you, <laughs> you kind of try to keep away from the mic. And um, and then there were things like, oh, can you play... We, we've got to come on for a bow onto the stage, and can you just play the melody for this tune as a guitar thing, but can you make it a little bit like a guitar solo, but can you play the melody? It, it was a very similar to a Robbie Williams tune. Um, which I can't quite recall, but it was that it was that melody. But make it a little bit rocky, and can you get this sound for it? Um, and it was you know it was all notes written sky high for a guitarist. It, you know for me it was just oh god, you know I'm looking at it thinking I'm never going to be able to do this. And then can you just play something similar but more guitar solo with that? And then this is going to be you're going to have to listen to this for the rest of the run because you're going to come on stage to it every night. So, <laughs> yeah. And you've got, like, one take to do it in. So that was, um, yeah, that's when you realise adrenaline's brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I suppose we try and make it, you know, sound a little bit more sort of uh, heavy than it was. But it, it, it felt really like I, I couldn't mess that up. Yeah. Um, and the cast recording was done the same. Um it was very. It, Alan made it fantastic. Um, he he had a lot to get through. So you, sometimes, if you weren't quite right or you fluffed a note, he would say, "Do you want?" You know, he would hear straight away. So, "Do you want to do that again?" So that was that was hard. It's the first cast recording I've done. I'm really proud of it. I think the the band sounds sounds really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, musical theatre was just something. It was was definitely something that I I would never have thought thought I was going to do. It was not a. I just fell into it. Yeah, and was that, you know, pre-pandemic? Is that what you were doing? Were you, were you are you a show player? Is that everything? Or, um, you know, because I know since then you've built this online presence and you're doing more teaching. But is that something that's completely yeah. new? The online thing was, uh, yeah, as we were saying before, it was just something to cover myself in case, you know, that that dread that we always have is that we're going to be out of work. So I thought I got into Instagram quite late on, actually. It's a lot harder now than it was when I started, but 
say I've been doing it for two or three years and yeah I just thought I, I need to look into how this is done like like any musician you know they get into coffee they want to know about how to get the beans you know grind the beans and what the best ones I did the same like with anybody you know I just thought I, I got on forums I asked people who I was following for help how they you know put out content how they developed um uh, you know, an online presence. But for me, it was all about trying to build a guitar community. So it wasn't about followers. It was more about like actually talking to people and supporting them and, um, you know, commenting on what they'd done and asking them questions uh, and then direct messaging people saying, how did you get that, you know, effect where you sort of blurred the background out and how did you edit it and how are you recording it? And, um, and then just, yeah, just, just trying to build like a community of, of guitarists really, who, who were just massive nerds. <laughs> um, and yeah, some trick, tip, you know, some tricks, you know, algorithm things, um, just learning about how that all worked. Was it, uh, a move that you made to try to further your own career or was it just about the, the community thing? I mean, what's the ultimate aim with having that social media presence for you? <clears throat> It was two things really. Um, it was to, it was to, it was to document my practicing. So um, it was a good way, like a, just an online video diary, really. So I can look back and go, oh, that's what I was doing two years ago. Well, how come I've forgotten all that? <laughs> <laughs> why would that? Why did I spend you know two months learning how to play gypsy jazz guitar, and I look back and it's like watching a different person. <laughs> um, so it was documenting my practice, building up a community. I thought I wanted to sort of get out of just having musical theatre as a, a focus, really, um, or theatre, you know, playing in the pit as a focus. I wanted to try and expand, you know, be a bit more creative. And, um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I mean, some nice things came of it. Some, like, endorsement things came from it, Um you know, so people kind of send you pedals or guitars or, you know, things like that. And that was quite, you know, that was a good thing. Getting guitar strings, you know, getting cheap, you know, getting endorsement deals for, for guitar strings and things like that was really, really nice part of it. And it you know, kind of makes you feel good once you've you've done that. But it was a lot of work. Yeah, It was a lot of spending time looking through other people's stuff and, um, uh you know, getting in touch with people and commenting and all that. I mean, it's some of it's quite disingenuous. I tried to always make my the things that I wrote on people's posts constructive, and you know, and it worked. It, it, people then look at yours and follow you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm a lot less interested in it now than I have been. I was chatting to someone recently about you know social media and even just having your own website and and the importance of your online presence because i guess Mm. these days the first thing you do in any career situation whether you're a musician or or not whatever industry you're in if you're considering someone or looking at people you're going to google them you're going to find out who they are so if you can be in control of what appears it's almost like the equivalent of a a business card isn't it so you you can present them with all the information that that you want them to know about yourself in a you know a nice package Absolutely. I found some things absolutely remarkable with, with students where um, and getting work through your online presence where when I didn't have any people at all to teach, um, I was 
yeah, I was putting, taking pictures of my studio and putting in my story. Um, and maybe I had one student, and you know, who I taught, I've been teaching for a while, and I just, you know, starting off today's teaching and just trying to sort of promote um, letting people know that this is what I'm doing, even though I really didn't have many students. Um, putting up a transcription on my website or um, just asking a question in your story about, you know, what do you think makes a good, you know, guitar instructor or music instructor, things like that. And suddenly people just start, you know, just emailing you and saying, oh, can I have a lesson? And mm. it's weird. It still surprises me, but you've got to try and... What's the word I'm trying to use? Yeah, show people that that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and then pe- people do come and say, oh, well, you know, can I, can I have a guitar lesson? Or but, but it's so tough, you know, teach, because you can't play with that person, really. I have to do it a lot with listening them to them play, to backing tracks, because of the time delay. Mm. I think the, the day somebody can invent um, that uh, something where two people can play together on, online... Yeah, they'll, they'll make themselves a lot of money, but I just don't think it's in. I, I don't think it's possible right now. Mm. But have there been any unexpected connections that have come out of your social media stuff, or you know, anyone that you've <laughs> been connected to that you it just sort of came as a total surprise? Um, it's always a surprise when somebody who you consider to be famous. Um, in, in, in when when I say famous, I'm not talking about Michael Jackson. I'm just talking about a guitarist who, if you were a guitarist, you'd know who they were, mm. you know. But I've had some, yeah, as a Adam Levy um, who played with Nora Jones, um, sort of, yeah, direct messaged me, um, um, and a guy called Joey Landreth who um, is in the band called Brothers Landreth. He um, he started following me and messaging me, you know, asking me about gear and you know video stuff and saying things like oh we should, we should have a you know we should have a skype hang and just chat about music i'm just like I'll, I'll take a lesson from you quite happily yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about having a skype hang i mean you know so that's really nice and really surprising i i don't f- it's weird because i wanted to keep it separate from the theater thing i'd never really said i don't have in my bio or certainly on my Instagram that that's, that's, I do any of that. Uh, It's interesting to some people, right? But when you do it, it's not that interesting. I kind of wanted to be, I wanted a different persona with that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the theatre, the pit musician. So I didn't really ever talk about it. I've, I've, I mean, you can look back and prove me wrong, but I don't think I've ever put up pit cam or, you know, or, um, I don't think I've ever put up a post of saying, "Oh, this, you know, just turning up at such and such a theatre today's office." Here's a here's a picture of, you know, Kinky Boots Overture, or here's here's me playing a solo <laughs> at the end at the end, which is great, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It was just not a path that I wanted to take. I just wanted to keep it separate, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and neither I don't think I follow many um, theatre people really, mm-hmm. not, just because you know. I wanted to, um, yeah, I just wanted to get away from that side of the, my, my life because you, you're doing it every day, aren't you? Mm. I just you wanted to use it for something different. I, I find it odd now or, you know, content creation is just becoming the thing, isn't it? I mean, people are playing for likes, yeah, <laughs> not dollars, not money. They're just, it's playing for likes or, you know, um, 
you know, this is how to play the, the you know, how to play faster. This is the, the, the lick that will turn you into a jazz legend or the three diminished, you know, arpeggios that you need to know. Yeah. Here's how to be a guy sat in your bedroom, basically. You know, I, I find... I find it fascinating, and I'm going to be very interested to see how the next few years takes us. Yeah. Lots of people are going to do, you know, um, YouTube Live, where you, it's basically like busking. You just put on your, you, you know, you put on play, and people can send you money. Yeah. Um, well, how do you feel about all that? Um, I think it's interesting seeing what peop- what what motivates people to do it, um, and I think you know, in the modern world. Pe- you know, aside from music, people are so used to quick fixes for things and they want, you know, learn these three licks and sound like a, you know, whoever. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people putting that content out there, as you say, for, for likes and stuff. And mm. But the people who seem to be most successful and who have the longevity and who whose content you ultimately trust are those mm. who are doing it as a sort of passion project. And it's about... Yeah what what you've described really about networking and, and about sharing and, and building building a community i think that stuff mm. th- that's like the internet at its best really isn't it that's that's a great use of of these platforms yeah. for professional musicians yeah i i think what what comes with that <clears throat> with the youtube and the instagram and all those things as well which really hit me recently is that you can get overwhelmed with the amount of information available. And if you're working on a certain thing, if you get up and you've had your coffee and you you get to your piano or your guitar and you want to work out, okay, how am I going to play over these two chords? And then you just go, I wonder what such and such a person, how they do it. And then you go into YouTube and then three hours later you've you've done nothing apart from watch YouTube clips and get overwhelmed by, you know, the thousands of of um, possibilities that there are. Mm. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a case of deducing out of all of the plethora of different ways to do things, which ones you're going to choose um, and, and kind of stick with those and work on them. Um, because you can get addicted to practising. Well, I found I've got addicted to practising and collecting things like a magpie, but not actually playing. Mm. So the last few years I've... I've just sat with my guitar and played, played music. Even if I've been playing to a cat, you know, just, you know, leave my window open in the practice room, somebody might be listening. It mm-hmm. makes you play differently. So there's, there's definitely for me a, um, a change where I've gone, right, I'm going to practice less. I've got enough information about what I want to, you know, not all of the information, never going to have all that, but I've got enough information here to actually play music so, but I think that YouTube, even though it's a great resource that we never had, well, I certainly didn't have when I was learning, um, it can take me off in a, in, a, in a vortex and then I've learned nothing. So it, now in the mornings, I'll just go, right, today I'm going to add this tiny thing into my playing. Yeah. This is what I want to get, add on to it. So imagine myself as like a ball of plasticine and I'm just sticking bits on each time, getting mm-hmm. growing, and tr- but not trying to just throw a load of stuff in you know at myself which i was doing for years and it, it was i was never getting any better yeah it's, it's about finding a focus really and, and the whole youtube thing can just become a, a big 
form of procrastination. Yes. You're just watching other people doing what you want to do, but you're not actually (laughs) taking anything away from it and putting it into practice and actually playing. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say if anybody, you know, listening to a YouTube clip or, you know, I mean, everybody does, but I love podcasts. I absolutely adore them. I'm obsessed with them. But if there's any, any slight inkling to just turn that off and grab your guitar or your whatever instrument you play and play, go and do that. Yeah. Because that's, that's where you're going to learn the, the most amount of, you know, things and, and try not to get obsessed with the three, you know, the three things Wes Montgomery did, you know, that's all you need to know. And then you're going to be amazing. Yeah. Because people are doing that for a reason, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to, I mean, I think with good intent and, and, and it's great that people are creating content and it's amazing to have it right. It's, it's just considering that it didn't exist, you know, when I was 18, whatever, this did not exist. There wasn't such thing as a podcast or a, a YouTube clip. It was a, a tape or a, a, a record, you know, I was still old enough to have, you know, being able to do the, copy things from records, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose that uh, trying to understand how best some how best one learns, and when you understand that, you know, colleges I think teach things because they're teachable. You can learn scales, and you can you can teach modes, you can teach you know theory and harmony. Um, but there's some things that you can't unless you get a really great teacher that it's not expressed in a curriculum mm-hmm. you know phrasing or time or that's what comes from having a good tutor i think but the, the stuff that's teachable is not always you know there's a thing with guitar where you, you know you're taught to play i don't know if it's the same on piano but when you when you get when you're teaching like a beginner guitar and they want to learn to improvise you you teach them the pentatonic scale and on the guitar that's visually really simple to see it's visually simple to see <laughs> it's visual <laughs> is that i don't know what that is is that a double i don't know what it is but it's uh uh you can see it really clearly it's just you know a big gap three small gaps four you know then two big gaps and it's like oh there's the blues note and now you can play blues uh, it's probably like to me that's the devil it was the worst thing you know in a way that i ever learned because I don't think, you know, B.B. King or Albert King learnt how to play the blues in that way, but it's there because it's teachable and a guitar teacher can teach it to somebody. It's not necessarily the best thing to learn, in my opinion, to, to start playing the blues. And it's taken me until, you know, 40 years old to, to realise that that was a curse rather than a blessing. Yeah, that's a really interesting spin on it. Um, how do How do you you know, using that same analogy, how how would you teach that now to a, a beginner? That's a really good question because part of the fact that you're teaching a beginner, you kind of want something visual. Yeah. Um, I would, what I've tended to do is to keep it even more simple and never call it anything. Let's just say, you know, let's look at a phrase, let's look at phrasing, let's look at where things start and things end and let's look at rhythm. Because most of the time when people come to lessons and say, I'm really bored. I'm playing the same thing over and over again. I'm just, every time I hear myself play a solo, it's just like I'm hearing the same old crap coming out. I kind of had to go, well, if there's, if you're playing the blues, for instance, there's, there's kind of five notes, five or six notes you're going to play. So maybe it's not the notes you're playing, it's the rhythm or the phrasing. 
So once you start learning how to change the phrasing up and the rhythm up, you suddenly start sounding like a different player. And it's only when I did that and, and you know, was taught that, um, that maybe I'm sounding the same because I'm starting all my phrases on the same part of the bar, um, you know, and ending them all in the same place and suddenly go, oh, I can just displace that by half a beat and it sounds sounds great you know mm, yeah um but not to not to just go here's a here's a like a typewriter here's these things that you can play off you go and i think that's how lots of people were taught um but also <laughs> you know like the levels of the different somebody explained it to me as reduction induction and deduction and deduction so so if you when you're trying to learn a language the first thing you do is sort of um you reduce it down to something that you can copy. So if it's for me, it might be the the lick, you know, the jazz lick that everybody plays and you hear it in all the records and you go, okay, so I'm just going to copy. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing here, but I'm just going to, you're hearing all this language and you're just reducing it down to a lick and it's just, I'm copying it. Like a baby, I suppose, is going to go, you know, say its first words. They may not understand what they're saying, but they might be able to say, you know, mama or, you know, dad but not know what it is. So you're reducing the language that you're hearing down to something really simple, but you don't understand it. And then induction is, is going, you know, looking under the bonnet. So looking music from the surface inwards and kind of going, oh, that starts on the third and then it's moving to the seventh and it starts on the and. Oh, funny, it doesn't start at the beginning of the bar. You know, it starts on the and and it's just using these chord tones. So then you want to start to understand how that language is working. And then the deduction is that thing we were talking about, about you get the the Jamie Abersole books with the scale syllabuses and you get the YouTube clips with, uh, you know, melodic minor in, in three easy steps and you're kind of bombarded. And then you have to sort of deduce out of this amount of material what you're going to concentrate on because you're never going to get to the end of... If you, if you, if you seriously studied the scale syllabus at the back of a Jamie Eversold play-along, you I mean, it would take you ten lifetimes. The, yeah. the stuff in there, the Hungarian Gypsy Minor, that I don't even... <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to use. <laughs> so I suppose, that, you know, I try and... I find things like teaching that sort of stuff fascinating because that's that's definitely a way that I would learn, you know, just copying something first, then looking at how it works, and then going, then just wading through all the books and going, okay, these are the books that are going to work for me, or this is the album that I'm going to do. You know, those people who just go, I'm going to learn everything, every song Billy Joel ever wrote, mm. you know. And then they become either a Billy Joel clone but, or, or a really, you know, a good songwriter. But they've, they've focused on that, they've deduced out of everything that they, that's in front of them that they can look into, they've kind of focused on that one thing and for me that that really is produces really great players yeah you know those people who go i'm going to be a really great trad jazz trumpet player or i'm going to be a really fantastic blues player and that's what they do that's what stands out to me when i watch players online or going when you used to be able to go see gigs and you ask people wow how did you get so good at that well so it's all i've ever wanted to do i knew that i just wanted to play like you know, Pat Metheny or... But then when, you know, they, they get to a stage where they've become a clone of that person and then they sort of, you know, they become them. They become themselves and that's that's how we learn, I think. Yeah, taking it in your own direction. Yeah, which um, is tough. You mentioned a little bit earlier about 
taking lessons yourself as as mm. a pro is that something that you try to do still regularly yeah it's something that i have only done recently um just via zoom um but and it's terrifying because you you know you I can remember before, it wasn't that long ago, a few months ago before my first lesson, I've never shedded so much, you know, practising because I didn't want to look bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was expecting, the t- you know, the person I was taking a lesson from to say, OK, just play me something and I'm just going to turn into this drivelling mess, you know. Because <laughs> um, you don't want to sound bad, do you? You always want to try and sound good in front of somebody, especially when you're, you're taking a lesson. But, yeah, it's it's important for me to, yeah, just... Not not rest and just sit on my you know sit on my hands and go well I've done it you know I can now play guitar um, you know learning new things is 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 amazing to me I love it and whether it's how to make a good coffee or how to you know play over diminished chords and is that what you're looking to do with that is it about developing new skills rather than refining what you're already doing mm, I think it's um, it's weird for me because when you, as you know, like musical theatre, you end up making lots of getting kind of okay at lots of different styles. You know, when you get certain shows, suddenly you find you might have a country guitar solo to play. So you you study that for a bit and get okay, so you can just get by with it. Or you might get really good at it and never never use it. So I think I became. I started off with jazz and got to an okay. I mean, wow! In 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 in. Probably the town of Leeds. I'll probably be one of the worst jazz guitarists, but you know, uh, but but I, you know, that's what I started to be able to do. So I got I got okay at lots of different styles, and it's not until I've got older that I've concentrated more on um, getting back into the, into jazz and um, less into you know reading, um, looking at debt pads. Mm. It, it interests me a lot less, you know. Yeah. And when you so when you're having lessons, are you trying to get insight from lots of different players, or do you have a sort of regular block of lessons with one guy, or how do you structure uh, it? Yeah, so I mean, I took lessons um, when I was in my sort of thirties. I had a couple of lessons um, from some, you know, good guitar, some good guitarists in New York, um, and that that possibly kept me going information wise until now you know there's mm. just i was not ready for those lessons then um i'm having lessons from a guy called um danny rabin who's um he's like a fusion guitarist but he's also into gypsy jazz which i've been really getting into just you know learning that understanding more about harmony chord substitution just things like that just just stuff that in, that interests me stuff to get my time better um, different ways of using a metronome. Also, you know, with lockdown, it, 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 can you remember at the start of lockdown, it, everybody seemed to have a project, no matter what it was. I'm going to get this. I'm going to be really great at this. I'm going to get this together. I'm going to get that together. But just for human nature, we go off like a rocket on things like that. And then three weeks later, we're watching Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Which was me, you know. I'm going to get this together. I'm going to I'm going to record an album. And then suddenly he's going, I'll just watch another one. <laughs> What time does what time does countdown start? <laughs> so yeah, it was a way of focusing me into going. Okay, I'm going to have a lesson, and then in a month's time, I'm going to work on this stuff. I'm going to have another lesson. Yeah, you know? um, just to focus what I'm doing a little bit and get me through lockdown, which has been tough for everyone, right? Yeah, I sort of felt that at the beginning of lockdown, like 
musicians are going to go one way or, or the other in this time. You're, you're either going to like smash it and and come out, you know, ten times the player you were beforehand, or yeah, you're going with to... massive guns and abs, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a cupboard full of sourdough bread, um, <laughs> or or you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've I found the first few months in particular, I didn't touch my piano. I just sort of. Mm. It was a nice in a way. I had loads of time to reset, but mm. I had zero inspiration to go and sit down and, and play at all. And then I actually mm. took some lessons last year as well um, for the same reason, just to give it, you know, I feel like I need some sort of structure to what I'm doing to be aiming towards something yes. and, and lessons sort of provided that for me. Yeah, me too. It's interesting what you say about, um, uh, you know, I think people can come out of this in different ways. I, I was having a conversation with two friends of the day talking about, you know, the people that employed me for for 20 years might retire. You mm. know, Andy Barnwell, Sylvia might just go, well, that's it. I've had enough. So, uh, you know, it's, there's only probably four or five of the fixes that I know. I know there's probably younger people out there now who are fixing shows, but... You know, just thinking, well, maybe, maybe they won't get back into it, and and maybe there'll be some musicians who get out of it as well, who just retire or or give up or find that they're happy working, you know, for Amazon or walking dogs or I don't know, yeah, whatever they do. It'd be interesting to see uh, once uh, the theatres start reopening. You know, who's still about? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There's a you know, and th- let's think three years down the line, who's still going to be doing what they were doing last year and how many people will have moved on. And there's always, yeah. there's that fear at the moment as well when things haven't quite started up yet, fear of being left behind and it all starting off yes. without you as well. I don't know if you yeah. felt that. Absolutely feel that. Um, you know, my fear was as well that, you know, anybody who was maybe even working regularly in town would if they if they didn't get the first few gigs you know offered to them but they got a tour offered they might just take on the tours so that you know people who were doing lots of touring you might have people who were working regularly in the west end going yeah well i want to play so i'm going to take this on and also that yeah. you know not to sound like somebody's you know into 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 money but bands might get cut because you know theaters are going to have to what you know companies are going to have to watch what they're spending so there's going to be lots of changes, I think. Um, it's just going to be fascinating to see what happens, but I just want it to get, you know, I, I really, you know, the, the country certainly needs it, you know, needs needs theatres to start up again. Um, and hopefully once everybody's had the jabs and um, we've got the lateral flow testing and, you know, I was chatting to my mum today. She said the Rocky Horror Show is going out on tour and they've got, dates in all the usual theatres I was just thinking that's probably one of the worst shows to put on because of the audience (laughs) how are they going to manage that (laughs) that's crazy if that can go out I mean anything can go out right yeah Um, I think so yeah but yeah a couple of things are coming in um, so that's nice and um, it will be lovely to get to get playing again and be back in a in a pit and seeing some friends but it's very it's been very slow and and these are only like short little shows that are being, you know, tested out. And so we'll, we'll just wait and see it. I think at the moment for me, oh, this could be, uh, 
this could be dicing with death, but it's crossed my mind to maybe not go back into theatre if I didn't have to. Mm. If I could build up a if I could build up my teaching and do some jazz gigs and um you know, not have to go into do into 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 a show every night, then you know, I could I could be happy with that. But saying that, if Sylvia rang me tomorrow, I'd probably buy her hand off. <laughs> it's easy to say these things, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't think I want to do musical theatre anymore. And you see, you look at your phone and it's like Andy Barwell. Yeah. Don't say yes, don't say yes, don't say yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you've not asked, asked anything. Oh, God, it's got bazooki in it. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was one of the first things somebody said to me. It's like, if, if anybody asks you if you play X instrument and you don't, just say yes. I remember um, one of the first big shows that I did was Chitty and... Uh, yeah, you know, the fixer at the time just said, oh, you, you know, you do play banjo. I said, yeah, I play banjo. And like, as soon as she went, I was like, anybody got a banjo I can borrow? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, it was the wrong type of banjo. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the MD came up to me at, at the uh, in the break and just said, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's the same sound as, uh, as, as the, the guy who played it last time. Can you just look into it? And I was like, okay, I'll give him a ring. <laughs> He said, what are you playing that for? That's a bluegrass banjo. <laughs> no wonder it sounded so terrible. But you don't know when you you when you're a kid, you know, it's just uh you just yeah, say yes to everything, I think was what I was told. I'm not sure I'd say that to anybody now. Everybody's getting so much younger. I remember being the youngest person in the pit and uh now I've seemed to be the oldest person in the pit, so Yeah. A yeah. lot of the time, she's great. You learn a lot. So, in an ideal world, mm-hmm. pandemic aside, if you could yeah. be doing like one thing musically or creatively and be earning a living from it, like ideal day yeah. job, basically, yeah. what what might that look like? Yeah, easy playing guitar with James Taylor. That'd be that'd be my uh, that that just all I'd want to ever do. If, if he rang up and said, "I want you to come on tour with me," I would. Uh, yeah, I would feel like I'd uh, got the world, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> that is, but I would love to do it. You know, that's an amazing answer because he's he's like <laughs> one of my all time heroes. We'd one, we'd had um, your smiling face as the first dance at our wedding. Oh um, man, and yes. seen, seen him live a few times as well. Just incredible, and what a band yeah, me as well. Too. Yeah, what a band. Arnold McCulloch when he sings um, "Shower the People" when he does his little uh, you know his solo bit in that. Yeah, makes me. Well, well up every time I listen to it. Yeah. But yeah, I'd play. I'd play uh, if I could play guitar with James Taylor. I would uh, be very happy. Unfortunately, he's got Mike Landau, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd need to do a bit more practice. <laughs> Did you see him at Hyde Park a couple of years ago? Where yes. he was supporting Paul Simon. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, um, I seen him at the Albert Hall. I seen him in. Yeah, Manchester, when he played, yeah, at the Manchester Arena. Um, and the thing is that gets me every time is that he sounds exactly the same as he does on the records. Yeah. His voice is just so beautiful and it, it just, it must record so well, but it's so pure and he's banging tune. Band's incredible. The songs are fantastic. So, yeah, that would yeah. be, that's your short answer. <laughs> yeah, he's got, um, you know, he's got that, an amazing back catalogue of, of songs and he's got those phenomenal musicians with him but actually the best yeah. time I saw him was when he did his one man band tour it was just him and an acoustic guitar I've for seen mo- that for most well, of the, yeah. the night and 
with those songs, that voice and his, you know, his, his playing yeah. as well. It was just the best night's entertainment. Yeah, he, he's absolutely, you know, he's my all-time favourite musician. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people that you don't expect to just like, oh, yeah, I'm a massive James Taylor fan. Yeah. I, I came across him because I was walking through uh, York and some guy was just singing these songs and I didn't know what they were. I was, I was a kid and it was just, I just asked him, oh, who's that by? He said, oh, James Taylor and went to Borders and bought that White Album, you know, the, the yeah. one with all of his hits on and that was it as an addict. But yeah. yeah. That was the yeah. album that introduced me to him as well. We did a family road trip in the States when I was about 10 or 11 years old and yeah. that was the CD that was on in the car oh, yes. for the whole, the whole trip. So those songs just like, you know, they were... Caroline my mind. Oh, that's just that's my favourite song of all time. I think. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I wonder what it is about that music that 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 sort of hits people or hits certain type of people. It certainly does me. It, there's something emotional about it that really get you know that really gets to me. But you know, you know, and some people can listen to you know Slayer and get the same feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I, I I tend to like softer things. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's he, he's amazing. But I would, yeah, that that would be the answer to that question. Great. Yeah. And if you had to give your younger self a single piece of advice about starting out on this career, what what would it be? God, that's a that's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> to re- yeah, we, we covered this earlier. To realise that most of the time, you're nobody's thinking about you as much as you think they are. So um, go into everything with much more confidence and don't expect um, praise from people. Go in, do the job as best you can um, and don't be worried about what people are thinking because most of the time they're not thinking about you. Yeah, no one's thinking about you as much as you are. Yes, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. It's taken me way too long to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And if people listening to this want to look you up and find you online, where's the best place to do that? Yeah, Instagram, um, just Craig underscore Oxley or at Craig underscore Oxley. And my website is just craigoxley.com. Thank you so much for your time. It's been so no great to chat to you and, and, it's just, and hear yeah, it's your been a really lovely chat. view on everything. Yeah, that's been a really nice chat, man, and I hope we get to uh, play some music together soon. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for getting to the end of episode nine, and thanks once again to Craig for taking the time to have that conversation. Don't forget, if you're enjoying these episodes, hit that subscribe button and you will get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. I'm back next Monday with another brand new episode where I sit down with a new guest. Until then, have a great week.